to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something as myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host Ross talk through the 99th match that we've had on this list, not including the ones that we haven't been able to see that Dave Meltzer has rated, well that is including the ones Dave, we haven't actually man- managed to see but this is the 99th match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer gave 5 stars or higher and we're covering it in this episode and Simon, what is it that we're doing? Well, to quote Prince, we're going to party like it's 1999, and we're going to do that by watching Volta versus Zack Sabre Jr. Isn't Pro Wrestling Gorillas? What's the name of the event? Oh, I think it's All Star Weekend. It is All Star Weekend. Let's call it All Star Weekend. I'm sure they won't mind. I think, uh, weirdly though, you saying party like it's 1999 does perfectly feed into one of the main points I have about. Both of these guys, but particularly Volta. Volta is one of those... And I'm going to say Volta throughout the whole thing, because I'm one of those guys, as I said in the previous episode. I don't want a purple rain on his parade, so we'll let that stand. <laughs> Volta is one of those... You know one of the PWG shows that year was called Prince, or in 2016 was called Prince? I didn't, actually. That's, that's worked out wonderfully. Yeah, they called one show Bowie, one show Prince, I can't remember if they... I don't think they called him the show George Michael. I don't think they did. But anyway, um, Walter is one of those guys that would have been a success in wrestling whatever era you dropped him in. Yes. Yes, I can see where you're coming from there. He's got the size. Um, the look. He's got... He's got good technical ability. Yeah, he's that's got the key thing. Striking. Like, he wouldn't have been out of place wrestling guys like uh, Luthers or, or Antonio Inoki in Japan or being a, like a regular feature in all those German tournaments that all the good wrestlers were going to in the 70s and 80s. You know, he would have been a mainstay with Otto Vance's promotion. You know, he's got that look. Do you know he what? Have to, you know, he's not... He's not a, you know, he's not got like an 80s steroid-fueled physique, but he's got yeah. that bulk that he wouldn't have looked out of place against them. Like, yeah. say, someone like... Um, well, King Kong Bundy's harsh, because he's not as big as King Kong Bundy, but you know what I mean. Well, I was actually about to... Uh, let me just run this by you about his look, because yeah. I've just figured it out, why he just seems so imposing. Um He's got that look, and I think... I don't know if this is like a cultural thing across the world, but definitely where in the country we grew up in England, every school, I think, had, like, a kid who was hard, who had, like, a softish face, but, like, that buzz cut. Yeah. And, like, that sort of frame. Every school had a bully like that. And he just... I don't know if he just triggers that in my head. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that kind of uh, rugby... He's he's good in a rugby scrum if he was in England or, you know. Yes. But there's a great photo out there of... Uh, Volta and um, Adrian Neville, aka Park, um, when they're both in like their teens or early twenties, and Volta, he's got a bit of you know, well, you can't say puppy fat, but he's just got, 
He looks a bit like Buzz from Home Alone. Yes. He's got, he's got like the acne and everything. Um, and he just looks like a, you know, a bit of a chunky kid that is into wrestling, which plenty of people can relate to. And you'd see plenty of those in a, in the crowd that continued <laughs> the chunky side and never really developed any solidity or cardio behind that size. <laughs> whilst Volta's like a genuine proper athlete. Yeah. Oh, and Christ, is he an athlete? And I think, like, like, like you say, his age has suited him now. Yes. Yeah, like, he's... Like, the the, the, the more I see him, and, like, the more he... Like, the older he gets, he does look more and more imposing now. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, he, um, he, he does... It's not like he doesn't age. I'm like Paul Rudd or Keanu Reeves. He ages, but he ages like a fine wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He looks like um. He, I think also he's just got the way he stands. He's, he he composes himself. That his pose is just to stand at full attention with his arms behind his back, coming out to classical music. You know, it's just a, yeah. a with a very appropriate serious haircut. <laughs> and you know, there's... now there's a haircut you could set your watch to. <laughs> Johnny Unitas esque. <laughs> um. You just get who he is. Like he's this—he's like the, the embodiment of German efficiency. Although he's Austrian, um, yeah. So was Hitler. That was the thing, actually. Someone sent me a message saying that why, like, arguing if Ringkampf uh, or they called Imperium in in WWE on NXT. Our Imperium in WWE. If they're meant to be like Nazis, and I don't think it is Nazi. I think no. it's before then. It's more like a. Like early like Prussian, like Baron, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century sort of look to them. Yeah, yeah Germany is an em- the classical music. You know, Germany has history outside of nineteen thirty two to nineteen forty five, guys. Yeah, I mean, look at all the Berlin Wall stuff. Yeah. That was after. Yeah, there was a Weimar Republic there for a while. Ah. Oh hyperinflation and all that jazz they had kaisers with helmets with spikes at the top of their heads and all sorts of crazy crap yeah there was a holy roman empire and all sorts yeah beethoven wasn't he no he was german wasn't he yeah i'm just talking well germany's a quite recent invention concept yeah like italy like i said it's more prussian which is that whole region you know that's sort of how it all bleeds into each other Mm. I think Germany didn't exist until like the 1860s, something like that. I think that's when the unification was. Italy was like 1850. And you got, got Austria-Hungary for the longest yeah. time as well. Anyway. Anyway, we both realised we were doing that. We um, were really I... out of our depth at that point, even more so than usual. <laughs> we couldn't even cover it up with blustering arrogance like we usually do in this series. And a man who looks out of his depth at the start of this match is Zack Sabre Jr. who's yes. just being chucked about the place. It's funny because Zack is quite tall, but again, this is two completely different body types. Endomorphic, oh, yeah. exomorphic, or whatever they're called. You know, Zack is probably it's like your mate. He could eat whatever. He could eat whatever and he wouldn't put a pound on, you know? Although I think yeah. he's probably fourth degree vegan. He won't eat anything that casts a shadow or something like that, you know? Fifth degree vegan. Fifth Sorry degree for the anal about see, like the Simpsons quotes. Mm. But yeah, like Cut. at the start, it's just Volta tossing Zach around and Zach having to try and find an opening. And that's so glad you said around. <laughs> mm. He could have if he wanted to. 
PWG is the place it would happen. <laughs> what I like, actually, because at the start of the match, like, Volta, like I say, he's just tossing Zack around uh, in the very early stages. And then it gets into a knuckle lock with Zack initiates. And what's interesting about it is that Volta utilizes the knuckle lock to overpower him. Like, he immediately like falls to his knees. Yeah. Like there's no gradual Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior element to it. But what Zack is able to do is he uses it as like a controlled close contact. Cause like Volta's main weapon are his hands and his arms, you know, for the chops. So he's actually yeah. been able to neutralize that. And then he just starts kicking away at um Volta's legs, legs and then just trying to outmaneuver him and out wrestle him because like you know, he knows what to do in close quarters in a Matt Wrestling thing. That's the whole thing about Zack Sabre Jr. Because, you know, his, his size does make him look like not a particularly intimidating guy. You could almost feel like, you know, you might stand a chance against him if you met him in a pub. But he's all about, like, how slippery he is. His slightness actually plays into the way that he wrestles. And he just yeah. has to find you and catch you. And that's what he's constantly doing to Volta throughout this match. He finds that moment, and he just seems to like wrap around him like a boa constrictor, and finds like. And then when he targets the arm later on in the match, there's like precision in his attacks as well. Yeah, and there's history of that in terms of just like that's just what British wrestlers look like as well. Like, well, not he, all of them. I know, but like, oh no, Big no, not, <laughs> not, but not British bulldog. But you know, like you, you Les Kellett's, your, uh, I mean Johnny Les Saint Kellett, wasn't a particular. I wouldn't call Les Kellett gangly or anything like that. I know, but he what wasn't you mean particularly by big. They've got impressive physiques. I think that's the badger. Yes. Yeah, it's not about like having the the abs or the six pack or you know like just the swollen delts. It's about can I break this guy's arm yeah. in like three moves or less? And I know how to. Yes. It's like that's that's the thing about British wrestling. That's it's imprint on the world it's its technical ability and zach is obviously very british in how he presents himself um into like stylistically before he starts the match and in the ring that that is that it's that old sort of world of sport-esque stuff mm. in terms of like joint manipulation uh wrist control mat work things like that but it's brought into the modern day. He's sort of like a bridging gap. Do you know what I mean? Between yeah. the old stuff and the new stuff. What I also like about the Zack character, especially when he's a heel, as he's in New Japan and he became at this point in PWG, is he he gets himself into trouble. Like, he will try to engage Walter in chopping battles, and Walter wins them all the time. And sometimes Zack will very stubbornly keep getting up when you're like, you know what, you need to you need to switch game plans here, Zack. Yeah. Like, there's there's one point at one point where he like he's peppering Volta with chops to his chest, and then Volta rears back and just hits him once, and Zack just goes flying. He does that uh, several times. I, there's genuinely I could have sworn there was a woman in the crowd who screamed after quite a lot of the chops that Volta lay onto Zack during the match. Stop! A... He's already dead. <laughs> Check my metal look bracelet. <laughs> There's a great moment in the corner as well when he's doing that Japanese style thing of being chopped and him trying to invite more on. And it, I think the, even the commentator is like, "What are you doing? <laughs> just, just go back to like go back to the the ground game for God's sakes, because what's striking against him is just going to get you killed." 
Yeah, and that is kind of the story of Zack in many of his matches. And, like, he does eventually catch someone. And he doesn't necessarily go for a trademark submission hold. He just grabs whatever limbs available to him and, and shifts and changes the, the weight as he goes along. He does have a couple of really cool trademark bridges and everything. And that's what feeds yes. into the finish as well. The favourite of which is when he gets the person... Like, he holds them by the arms outstretched, puts his feet on their shoulders... And their opponent instinctively rolls back to escape. And Zack then, like, tangles his legs on top of those legs. And so he's got him trapped in a perfect pin combination. That's one of my favourite moves mm. that he does. And his he's feet just... are then pressed on the arms so their shoulders are stuck to the mat. One of the things I really liked is when he picks um, Walter's leg to ground him. Mm. Uh, it's sort of like how he sort of slides underneath like Walter's strike and the next thing you know like Walter's in like almost in a knee bar yeah and it's just the tr- this how seamless it is mm. ah, you, it's just lovely it's just there's something like really like just pleasant about watching some guy execute it that well this is a weird criticism but at times it seems like Walter is almost too dominant a presence that I almost don't buy him getting in trouble like, he's beating up Zack so badly at the start. And, like, there's a moment where he just chops him all the way around the uh, outside of the ring. Mm. And then he misses and, like, Zack catches him and gets his arm. And, and then Walter's, like, selling really hard and, like, like he's in real pain. I'm just like, you just seem too tough to be hurt that much that quickly, you know? Well, Zack did target the fingers and mm. fingers well, are vulnerable the, no matter how previous, big you are. Yeah, and they also said in the previous show... Uh, like the night before, he chopped the ring post, so his hand was in trouble. Yeah, he, uh, ricocheted, ducked it, or something mm. like that. Mm. But yeah. obviously, but what you could have done uh, from a not for a visual aspect is you could have just had him come out with a hand taped and gone, "Oh, that's taped because blah blah blah." I really like having tape, uh, like on a, a wrestling thing, because if because you have to accept that sometimes people pick up the story halfway through. Mm. And if you are selling an injury, tape is just lovely. It's a great visual. Like, oh, because yeah, everyone can relate to that. It's like, yeah. that. oh, oh that's going to hurt him. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Walter, I think one of my favourite things about Walter as well is one of his nicknames is the final boss. And he does have that feel in, in European wrestling that he is, like, the best in, in the... Yes. You know, like, as soon as he joined NXT UK, you're like, well, you've got to put the UK title on him. He just carries himself. And he's got, you know, he is much bigger without being too big he can work with anyone of like either like if he went into the main roster of the wwe at any point he could probably work with someone like braun Strowman and have a great match with him but mm. he also is able to have fantastic matches with smaller wrestlers like Zack saber jr and tyler bate and the like and at least you know he can he can i think he could play both roles really well oh yeah wait and see because it's next to no there are a few people who are around his size that it doesn't look so bad, like someone like Rampage Brown or or his uh, Ring Camp teammate Timothy yeah. Thatcher, but for the most part, he is gonna be. He, he's about. He looks like he's about six foot three, and he is just bigger than everyone. Really. Two of the matches I really want to see on the main roster. Like this is just pure armchair fantasy booking. May never happen. Can I guess? Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. You're half right. Joe would have been a nice shout as well. I'll give you an honorary, like, a little, like, gold star for that anyway. Lesnar, Rey Mysterio. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see... Maybe they've done that, to be fair. Because Rey has been doing the indie scenes. Yeah. 
I would love to see if there is footage of that. Mm. Perhaps one of our fans can tell us. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like the only criticism I have of this match uh, as we get towards the end is that, again, it seems to be my problem with PWG, and I don't know if it's because of the crowd. So much of it seems like an exhibition and a showcase, and that there's not quite as much storytelling depth as there could be because they have to keep this crowd entertained with big moves <sighs> or, or big spots to keep them interested because otherwise yeah. they'll just get into a chant or, you know, and it's not like they're not a very engaged audience. They, they, you know, they, they love what they're seeing and they're a hot crowd and you can tell that wrestlers enjoy wrestling to them, but because they have to cater to them, like I said, it's, it's almost ECW-esque because as ECW, they, you know, like they'll feel like, well, we kind of have to put in a, a, a table spot where at some point we have to go a bit harder in, in, yeah. in some of the out out of the ring brawling, so with with um with PWG, like in New Japan, like, with PWG, you have to trade full like arms. We have to do moves in this match that are going to look really good in that video, that YouTube trailer that the company's going to put up, and we have to get yeah. quite a lot of them so they've got plenty to choose from. You know what mm. I mean? I do, and I feel like if this was in another promotion, also if it was just a main event, whereas this was just part of like an incredibly stacked card, they maybe yes. would have taking it another level and been able to do add something with a bit more depth. I don't think this is as shallow as the previous match was, but I don't think it was as deep as it could be. Do you know where I'm coming from? I I do agree with that. Um, I It had some story to it, unlike the previous episode, but you just feel like they could have embellished upon it more, you know? Like, Zach does get back in by damaging the hand but it's not really highlighted enough you know well, like it's also the, the finish is so sudden you're expecting like 10 like five minutes of false finishes and instead very quickly well uh he does his o'connor roll with the sort of yoga pose sit like bridge and instead yeah. zach catches him in a you know sleep like a very samoa joe move he'll do i think we saw him do that to christopher daniels in the tna triple threat match that got a five uh, five star. Yeah, there's with that because it's a cool, it's a cool spot, and I like Zach's instantaneous tap because that's something I've said I like about submission. Yeah, that's something I prefer in submission wrestling. If you caught, you caught, and you can't get out of it. And it's a very heelish thing to do, like the naked fear yeah, of yeah. this man is going to choke me till I'm unconscious. Cowardly heel, but and it made Volta look good. I think it was very early on. This might have been like the first time he'd appeared in the promotion. I might be wrong there, but I think this might have been his debut weekend with them. So getting a win over a guy who was like became the hottest prospect in wrestling partly because of this fantastic run he had in PWG first as a babyface uh, and then as a heel. Yeah, he's ah, he's just beautiful to watch. I can't quite. Mm. I just love taking that that classic British wrestling style and putting a new twist on it with the character work and yeah, a bit more of the MMA submission work to it but also a bit of strong stuff and he's just a fantastic character you, you know he has so much fun on those new japan post-match interviews whether he wins or loses yes i mean great great way of getting eyes on you as well by mentioning our current events and sort of weaving that in and just having moves named after um you know like you uh, orienteering with napalm death <laughs> um <laughs> 
Have you not heard of these? <laughs> I didn't know he'd gone that that deep. No, I knew. Obviously, I was I was referring to like his uh, blaming Brexit and blaming Boris for his yeah. losses and stuff like that. He's not wrong, you know. But oh, this is he's only five foot ten. I thought he was taller than that. Oh, so so these are the names of some of his moves. Article fifty. <laughs> uh, cremation lily. European clutch. Hypernormalization, which is a reference to a BBC documentary from a guy called Adam Riches, who does these sort of video essay news media montages of like B roll footage and uses it to. They're really good. You should watch some of the stuff he does. The one that really got attention to him was like The Power of Nightmares. Um, but this is a Jim Break special. Might want to rename that now, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, orienteering with Napalm Death. And there what that which is from a Stuart Lee routine. Oh yeah. And then there was a, a photo of him together with Stuart Lee later on. But here's another one. And I think he won uh he won at Wrestle Kingdom against Tom Tomohiro Ishii with this move, I think it was. Uh it is called Hurrah! Another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. Which is an album by. Uh, Don Callis just looks at the, like his like notes and goes, "I'm not saying all that." No, shit. but Kevin Kelly <laughs> did do it. I, I I reckon Kevin would have. Yeah, it's, you're it's right. Like, that's the but, no, he did. He literally did. It's a, it's an album from a post rock band. I'm a big fan of post rock. I think I'm, I must have listened to that at some point. I'm surprised he hasn't named any of his uh, moves after a Godspeed You Black Emperor album, which is one of my favorite bands ever. F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity side. If you're going to start with Prostrock, that's probably the best one to start with. I am so lost. F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity. Lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven. Alleluia, don't bend, ascend. Asunder, sweet, and other distress. Just a great band in general. Saw them at the Warwick Arts Centre. It's fucking awesome. They were supported by the Dead Rat Orchestra. I... <laughs> If people want to get in touch with you, Simon, and give you some tips for more post-rock albums, <laughs> after I haven't quite given this match five stars, have you given it five stars? Uh, I I am not giving this five stars, no. But if Again, get in touch with you, very good. Post-rock albums, they give five stars too. How can they do so? Uh, people get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm signing as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of minutes I'm going to have to take uh, to figure out what the hell just happened. My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L. Asunder, sweet, and other distress. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm trying to find. A ba- I'm trying to quickly find a post rock band with N that starts with their name. What annoys me is you like pulled a f- you grimaced at my Prince pun earlier, and now I the, the last five minutes of this I have had no idea what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, uh, L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L, A for Asunder, Sweet and Other Distress, N for Nye Batterie, which is the fifth track in Sigaross's Agatis Bijan, which is genuinely, oh. genuinely uh, my second favourite album of all time. It pains me that you just looked that up. <laughs> I knew it, I just couldn't remember how you spelt it. But that is honestly my second favorite album of all time. Uh, Sigur Rós's Agatis Bijan. 
If people want to get in touch you with the show. You've definitely heard Sigur Ross. I promise you you've heard Sigur Ross at some point. I may well have done. I'm like... from Iceland. <laughs> the, the lead singer plays his guitar with a bowstring. Oh, good lord. I, if people want to get in touch with the show, they can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. If you slash the at gmail.com off of that, that is our Twitter handle. I think uh, we're going to start we, a new podcast series where I guide Simon through the works of post-rock. Is that Mer- Bands such as Explosions in the Sky. It's that glint in his eyes. I'm afraid. I'm genuinely afraid. Um, but I'm not going to be afraid to watch the next episode, which Our is... 100th match. And what a match. A man we've had several times on the list before, taking on a man who's not been on the list as of yet. And um, the first match of a total of... 18 matches from the year 2018 that Dave Meltzer gave five stars to. Or half. That is one and a half matches per month. Mm-hmm. So what are we Quick talking match. about here, Sai? It's Wrestle Kingdom 12 and it's... It's the battle of the Alpha versus the Omega as Chris Jericho takes on Kenny Omega for the IWGP US Championship mm. at Wrestle Kingdom 12. But there's nothing left to say now except for... My name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Strong like lights at the Pinter Printemps are erable. Until the next time.